welcome to the Fitness Diaries podcast, hosted by myself, Caitlin Muncaster, and Lisa Rapp. We are here to bring you your weekly dose of motivation and inspiration on all things health, wellness, and beauty. So take a seat, relax, and enjoy the show. Can you hear me okay? I can totally hear you. How are you? Okay. I'm great. Hi, Caitlin. Hi. Nice to meet you finally. It's good to meet you. So excited you're on. So for all of you, um, this is Jim Lanahan, and Jim is a blogger. He is a producer. He produces tours and Broadway shows and... He used to run marathons and you have like this fascinating life and I have to hear all about it. (laughs) Isn't it funny how, you know, you get to be a certain age and people describe your life as fascinating and you're like, I don't know. I was just living my life all these years, you know, (laughs) this is just how it turned out for me, you know, but. Yeah, I'm really lucky, I have to say. I I like what I do. Um, I always wanted to work in theater growing up. I get to do that every day. And uh, I discovered the running and, you know, so, uh, yeah. But I don't, what do we talk about first? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about first? (laughs) Well, let's talk about Broadway and the shows and how you got into all that. Sure. Yeah, me being an actress, like, are you kidding? Let's, let's chit chat. And I grew up in New York City. So I've seen tons of Broadway shows. All the shows, yeah. Well, so I grew up about two and a half hours north of this city in a little tiny village called Round Lake. It's kind of halfway between Albany and Saratoga. So I was close enough where I could get down to the city and see shows in a day and come back, which was great. So starting in high school, as soon as I was old enough to get on a bus or a train by myself, I would go down. My first show was Grand Hotel. I will never forget how it changed my life that day because I, you know, not only do you walk into a Broadway theater and it is performance on a level that you've probably never seen before. They are at the top of their game. There are millions of dollars on that stage and scenery and lighting and costumes. And then on top of it all, the themes in Grand Hotel spoke very personally to me as a, um, teenager in my late teens coming out of the closet. So I I left my theater that day and I was like, oh, I have to do this. I have to work in a business where I can have that level of expression and impact other people the way I was that day. So that's kind of how it started for me. Um, When I went to college, I went to Seattle College because I grew up without a lot of money and they offered me a lot of money to go to school there. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, thank you, scholarship. So, but Seattle College is run by Franciscan Friars. It's a Catholic university. So I put on my uh, very butch acting straight hat and (laughs) got got through college. I did theater there, but it was like, if you can imagine, we did like, serious shows like assassins and working like there was no fun in that theater program you know right uh and then i had a bunch of people in my life say you know you can't 
make a living in the theater. You need to get a real job. And my yeah, mom. Yeah, I heard that a few times too. I know, right? And like, why oh. do we do that? Why do we squash people's dreams? You know why? why? I think it's because people are jealous and insecure. So they didn't have dreams growing up. So mm-hmm. therefore you can't. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear so you. Like and when I was in the wedding crashers, I was a maid of honor in the Jewish wedding, and um, <laughs> that Mazel Tov picture is all over, and I lost a lot of money, but it's totally fine. And um, when I was in that, and I had lines, and they took it out, but it's fine. Um, to have certain people go and message me that never believed, that was a good feeling. Yeah. 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 And isn't it funny? Everything you just said, I agree with. And then on top of it all, people really do operate from a place of fear about 85% of the time. And, you know, my mom, when I watch my mom operate in the world as an individual, she does that. But when it came to me, her only child... By the way, that's a whole other story we we can talk about because I found a sibling <laughs> last year on 23 yeah, I know, in May. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Stories that about oh, it's so, so crazy. crazy. It's so crazy. But um, yeah. Um, but I grew up an only child, and right. she never did that to me. My mother said to Love me, that. "If you work hard, uh, you can do anything you want, and as long as I have an extra ten dollars in my pocket, I will do anything I can for you financially, oh, emotionally, to make your dreams come true." And when I moved to New York and started as an actor auditioning, my mom sent me a hundred bucks a week so I could pay rent and eat. Oh, you know, God. yeah, and and my mom does not come from money and she was a single mom and she's was a she's a retired nurse and um so it was a big deal that my mom did that but it, it what it did for me was emboldened me i believed i could do anything and i knew that i had my mom behind me and i just kept my my focus looking forward i just kept going you right. know so um yeah, so I I went to grad school, actually. Um, I was in a doctorate program, and they gave me a bunch of scholarship dollars, and I thought, okay, my life is all set up. I was, I was on the North Shore of Long Island at CW Post, and my office was in a beautiful stable house. It was, it was gorgeous, and I couldn't have asked for more in grad school, and I was absolutely miserable. And on the weekends, I would sneak into the city and I would go to auditions. And um, that kind of led to me dropping out of my doctoral program and um, just making a go for it. So I auditioned and I had a few early successes. I was on a few national tours back in the day as a performer. I was always like, you know, I'm a big boy. I'm six foot four. I'm delightfully Rubenesque, <sighs> as my friend describes me. And uh, but I could tap dance, and I could always sing. Love tap dancing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I could always sing like really high. Like I could always like wail a Jennifer Hudson song, you know. So, long short, I got cast in shows as like the funny friend, and I did Anything Goes, and I did Forty Second Street, and then. I flipped over um, and got an office job working at the Dodgers. They had Titanic and Footloose on Broadway at the time. And that's how it all started. I just kept hustling. I worked in general management. I went to Disney. I helped them launch two Lion King tours. Uh, We worked on Beauty and the Beast. We worked on Aida Broadway. Um, 
And the combination of being on tour as an actor and then going and working in the office in the general management and the booking department kind of set me up for the, the jobs I have now where I produce tours for the road. What is your favorite show, Broadway show that you've seen? Mm, you know, this, a hard question. Yes, right? <laughs> I know. I'm glad you said that, Caitlin, because <laughs> I I think that question is impossible. But mm. I will say, I think um, I've never cried more than when I went to see uh, the Color Purple revival. Okay. This, the John Doyle revival with Cynthia and Reva. Gorgeous. Um, I have never walked out of a theater more inspired than when I saw the original Ragtime with Stokes and Audra McDonald. And that was just the most gorgeous production. Uh, I probably saw it seven times. And then, you know, if I put on my GM and my production hat, I um, think about Les Mis, the original one on Broadway, which was the most perfect collaboration between lighting, sound, acting, direction. It was perfection. So those are my favorites. Nice. So now what are you currently working on now? Like, what are your... Mm, well, there's only, you know, some things I can't talk about. Oh, darn. <laughs> we are, um, we are about to announce a, a, a giant big tour that we're working on. Um, it's on my company's website. I just noticed, but I'm, I'm not really talking about it cause we're not on sale yet, but we do a lot of, um, very popular TV shows, uh, live on stage. So for instance, one that, that is very public is we produce the prices right live. It's been on tour for seven years. It sells out every day. You can right. go and win a car. A lady in Albuquerque won the showcase showdown and took home a car last week. It's fabulous. Wow. Yeah. Um, but we also do traditional theatrical, um, Off-Broadway, we have The Office, a musical parody running, and um, it's by the same writing team that wrote Friends, a musical parody. Uh, We also had Love Actually, a musical parody running over the holidays. So we do a lot of smaller off-Broadway shows. Uh, We have a few one-women shows. Um, And then to totally mix it up, we produce some influencers and some digital artists and TV stars. So um, last summer we worked with David Dobrik, who's an incredibly uh, famous digital influencer. Uh, we're about to send Sasha Velour, who won RuPaul's Drag Race season nine to Europe with her Smoke and Mirrors tour. So I really love it because, you know, my, my toolbox from my Broadway days has a lot of tools in it and I get to use them all in a different way now. And I love it. Yeah. Now, Rumor has it, so for those of you obviously who don't know, I met Jim through Heather Carlucci, and Heather is a medium mm. who we will, we will also have on. Um, I know. Like, hmm. mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, Heather had told me that you used to run marathons. It's a true story. I um, <clears throat> In 2010, I ran my first race. It was a 5K. And, you know, I 
I talked about this a little bit ago, but I always grew up a, a big kid and I was the kid who was tall and big and everybody in high school said, you have to play football, dude, like you're a football player, you know? And I was like, no, I belong in the musical, but thanks, darling. Thanks for checking in, you know? Um, so I, I never quite got into sports and I always thought I was a non-athletic person. And then in 2010, a really dear friend of mine, Barbara, encouraged me to run a 5K. And I ran it that February. And as I got to mile two, I burst into tears because I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to finish a 5K. Nice. And I never thought I could run, you know. And it kind of just kept going. By the time I got to 2014, I was a member of New York Roadrunners. I was living in New York City. Oh, okay. And I ran six half marathons that year. Wow, um, good for you. And that's a part-time job, <laughs> you know, um, no. because of all the hours you train. And then uh, I've probably run like 14 or 15 half marathons total. Nice. Yeah, and, I'm, and I've taken a little break from it to handle some family stuff, but I intend to get back into it. I, I'm actually looking at a 5k in about eight weeks from now. So I want nice. to get back to it a little bit. Yeah. Now, what do you do to prepare? Like if someone said, Jim, I'm going to, I want to do a marathon. What would you tell them to prepare for that race? <sighs> you want to know the truth. Yes. The first thing you have to do, I think is wrap your head around it because <laughs> if you're like me and you don't think you will ever run a half marathon or a marathon uh, and you start to do it, you, you kind of need to know what's coming up the pike. So for me, I lay out the entire training plan all the way from one mile up to, if you're running a marathon, you probably get to like 18 or 20, that's your longest run. So I lay it all out and I need to know, okay, I can do this. I have enough time to prepare. I have projects at work are timed so that I'll be in town to run my long races. I don't have to travel for work and try to get in a run in Cincinnati or wherever I am. Um, and, and knowing that I have the time and I have a plan helps me kind of prepare mentally for it. And then the next very next thing I do is I start to change my diet because um, if I'm training for running, <clears throat> I'm hydrating extra, extra full time. I am just drinking 80, 100 ounces of water a day and I am upping my veggies and I'm keeping my fats low. And it really does change like every little aspect of my, of my life, you know, from what I eat to how much I sleep to how much I drink, right. um, which is why, you know, offline Lisa and I have talked a little bit about some family stuff and right. it's harder mm -hmm. now that I'm yeah. taking care of a family member, you really get out of the habits, but those running habits, they'll serve you so well if you're training for a marathon or if you're just trying to live your life in a healthier way. Right. And I laugh because when I look at your stories, like you'll eat something like you had some cherry candy thing. Like I was so pissed at you. I'm like, okay, I can't get this. Like, where am I supposed to go get this? Like, how did you eat have him ship it from LA? I don't know. He, I don't even think he was in LA. I think he was some, were you yeah. somewhere. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's the big cherry, of course. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> 
You know what's oh. so funny? So the big cherry is uh, it's by a company called Christopher's, Christopher apostrophe S. And I first had the big cherry in Wisconsin. And um, so whenever I travel, I look for it. But I actually have found a place here in L.A. Oh, you know where you can so get them? Ship them to me. You can get them at Dylan's Candy Bar in New York City. I can? I've seen them there. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I'll go. I'm here late tonight. Caitlin's actually, after we're done, she's going to rumble class. Um, and um, uh, maybe I'll go. I passed it. So good. Um, do you consider yourself an influencer? You know, it's so funny because <clears throat> um, on Instagram, I have people that will, will send me products and then send me discount codes. So they'll they'll say if you um put this up it's a teeth whitening kit put it up on your instagram and then every time someone uses the code jim lanahan they get 45 percent off and then they give me a cut they'll send me a check and it's so weird to me because i'm like I have 3,000 followers on Instagram. So I know. I don't think, but I don't because doing what I do for a living, I work with people with 7 million followers, right? So I'm like, no, this is just me having fun. I've built a really um, lovely tribe of beautiful people, smart people, funny people, people who are going through some stuff in their life. We, we, we're positive with each other. We support each other. The DMs I get are are so touching. Um, they're amazing. So I'm really proud of the little family I've built on my Insta page. But I don't think of myself as an influencer because I'd rather think of myself as part of that family, not like right. the dad of the family, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like but the cool older cousin. Yeah, well, yeah. Or just the cool cousin. <laughs> you reminded me of, of Mean Girls. I'm not just the cousin. I'm the cool cousin, you know? like. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. It's, but at the same time, like, I have someone who does a candle thing with me and a, and a yoga clothing company has oh, approached nice. me. So I guess the answer to your question is, I guess technically I am, but I don't think of it that way at all. Right. Nice. Um, do you... If you weren't doing what you're doing, what would your dream job be? Like if this. Mm, yeah, I'll tell you, I would want to work for Oprah Winfrey and I would want to be the person that knocks on your door and oh, says, yes. I'm, I have a check from Oprah. We're paying off your house today. Nice. There's something so uh, amazing about being able to help people make their dreams come true. And you know that old, like, when you grew up, people always said, like, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What is it? For me, truly, the meaning of life is we are just put here to support each other and make each other's life better. Because money comes and goes, relationships come and go. But at the end of the day, like, we're just here to get through it together. It's a big shared experience living on this planet. And uh, I really think the idea of, of being able to do that on a grand scale would be the most amazing thing in the world. So do you want to talk about your sibling? Yes, because I, this stuff fascinates me. I'm all into like the ancestry.com and like, how yeah. did this all happen? This is so exciting. Well, I was, 
you know, doing a 23andMe, like many of us have done. And I spit in the cup and I sent it off and it came back. And when I logged in, I remember I said to my mom, I wonder if this is when we find him. So my mom had told me years ago that I had a half brother. She was in college in Shreveport in the middle of nursing school. She had, um, and by the way, she'd be okay with me saying this. Uh, She was date raped and she got pregnant. And uh, it was 1969, Shreveport, Louisiana. There was such shame around being pregnant. There was shame around the guy who date raped my mom was a well-known military figure at the Air Force Base in Shreveport. Um, She her own parents were telling her, you have to give that child up for adoption. Uh, you can't have a child in 1969 because you'll never get a job. You'll never yeah, yeah. become a nurse. So, mm-hmm. uh, but because my mom was a nurse, she had the baby at the hospital where she was completing her training. And okay. so she had the baby, uh, I think uh, July, no, August 1st. 1969 and she held him for five days before they placed him with a family. Wow. So my mom bonded with this little baby and every year in the summer, my mom would wish him a happy birthday. And when I got old enough to be like, well, who is that that you're talking about? She explained to me and I understood it. And then we took 23 and me and we found him. And he wow. told me later, he's like, yeah, I took that 23 and me a long time ago. I've been waiting for you. Wow. <laughs> so, so he couldn't find you though. Is yeah, that? Wow. Yeah. You want to know my mom, my mom told me once, she said, I gave him up for adoption. I'm not going to intrude in his life now. Right. I made my choice. And if he wants to find me, he can come find me. And but my mom secretly was praying that he would come find her. Right. So, of course, especially having a ba- holding a baby for five days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That so, had to be the hardest thing. You know, it's one of the reasons that my mom is really my hero. She's done so much in her life that is incredibly difficult, but she's done it in a selfless manner. And she's done it in a way that she sees the bigger picture and she just truly believes that if you do right by somebody or, or by a situation that it, it will come back to you in a, in the right way. And so anyway, it's, it's, of course he came back to us in a 23 and me and we've connected. I met him over July 4th holiday in San Diego. He's married to an amazing lady uh, who has two daughters and my brother has two daughters from previous relationships so now i have four insta nieces nice (laughs) yeah and uh and so when i went to meet them in san diego i met uh two of them that are my sister-in-law's daughters and um and i met him and her and then uh they came back and met my mom over thanksgiving holiday which was amazing nice yeah and so it just means so much to her. It, it's so nice. Mm-hmm. Even um, uh, Lisa knows this. My mom had a stroke three years ago. And even though my mom has a lot of trouble with emotions and with some cognitive stuff, because strokes have an impact on your brain, mm-hmm. t- it's so funny how uh, 
on the topic of my half brother, she is perfectly clear. That's my son. I missed out for 50 right. years. I want to know everything about him. And uh, we went, it was Thanksgiving weekend. So everything was closed here in California. Right. But uh, I always joke, I lived in New York for 20 years. I am therefore a good Jew. And I, <laughs> so it was the holiday. We went and had Chinese food. And, uh, and uh, my mom was sitting at that Chinese restaurant just staring at him and, and kind of crying every other minute. And right. I could tell what it meant. So it's, it's pretty special. And by the way, he looks exactly like me. He <laughs> sounds like me. He's got a higher pitched voice. He it's really crazy. It's genetics are crazy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. An amazing yeah. story. So I'm so amazing. thankful that it turned out you're right. It's amazing because it turned out so well. And I'm so thankful for that because a lot of people meet relatives and they're disappointed, you know, I know. I'm very lucky. Yeah. So I have a question for you in regards to maybe someone that would be interested in joining Broadway. So I, have, <laughs> I come from a big family and I actually for 10 years had four cousins in dance competition mm. over that time doing any type of dance. So what would your advice be to someone that is maybe in their teenage years and they're being told like, no, you can't do this as a career path. What would you tell them? Mm, yeah. I, I, there's an old adage that a lot of performing arts teachers will tell their students, which is if you want to do this, you have to do it with your full heart and your full mind. If you have a plan B, you will fall back on the plan B. And so there's that. There's the, you have to go at it like 150 miles an hour and with all the conviction you can muster every single day because you're constantly told no in auditions, by agents, um, whether you're pitching a project. You have to just be able to overcome those objections and overcome the word no and just keep going. Um, the other thing is never underestimate the power of a good network. When I think about the people that graduate from schools like Carnegie Mellon or Northwestern, uh, another great school for performers is Wagner College on Staten Island. Mm -hmm. Those kids come out of those programs and they are so highly networked that they already know four people that graduated two years ago that are in Broadway shows. And they know that those four people will introduce them to their agents. And those four people already know which casting agents like your type, which, you know, casting agents are the nice ones. And, and for the ones that are not nice, this is how you navigate that audition, you know, and mm -hmm. just having that network in place as someone who went to a private school upstate that was not performing arts related. When I got to New York, I had to start from zero. Right. Mm -hmm. But all those people around me were like already at a level eight. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is so frustrating. I have to learn my lessons the hard way. So yeah, definitely. I think networking with um, people who know the game is a really big mm -hmm. deal. And if you can't um, 
get into a Carnegie Mellon because it's really competitive, get yourself into one of those training programs in New York City, whether it be a well-known acting school or a well-known voice teacher, because they will share the ropes with you, you know, and they'll they'll say like, oh, I've, I've been there, I've seen that. So mm-hmm. here's what you do. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think like it's the combination of uh, this is an old thing, you know, they say luck is mostly preparedness and then also right. some timing, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's also who, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, work in your connections and just keep hustling every day. Right. Yeah. And then if we were to call Heather, what are three <laughs> things she would tell us about you that we don't know that we have oh my God. today? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Heather Carlucci. She would say, uh, number one, Jim is dehydrated. He's not drinking <laughs> enough water. You know, it's so funny, Heather. Um, she is a medical intuitive. She She's also a psychic. Uh, she can see ghosts. She's, she's amazing. She's got a lot of gifts. So she'll call me from New York and she'll say, uh, hey, the thing about your mother, try this. And also you're dehydrated. I'm like, how do you know that? You're 2,400 miles away from me, you know? Um, so she would say that. I think she would tell you that I am um, um, incredibly open. Uh, I, I really, I've learned in this life that in order to get ahead, I have to keep myself open to any possibilities. I used to shut down. I used to have exacting preferences about who I dated or what I did for work or, or anything in my life. And when I really just opened myself up to possibilities, whole new worlds opened up for me. If you think about what I do for work now and where I live, I never thought I'd be doing this in California. And and this is a gift, you know, um, mm-hmm. where I live now and who I work with. I'm, I love it. So, uh, yeah, I think she'd say I'm open, I'm dehydrated, and I hope she would say I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> she would probably say that. She would also say I have a potty mouth. I'm always saying, whenever we do like a live, Insta Live or something, I'm like always it. saying okay. something inappropriate and her daughter hears it and I feel horrible. <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. I have a potty mouth. What? (laughs) So, Jim, is there anything that we, that you want to share that we haven't talked about? Is there projects you have coming up that you want to share that we haven't talked about? Oh, my gosh. Well, I think everybody should uh, definitely check out Instagram and uh, yes, tell us say how hi. we can get a hold of you. Yeah, it's I am Jim Lanahan. So I A M in my name, Jim Lanahan, all A's in my last name. Um, and uh, I am also considering doing a podcast. So I'll have, to talk, I'll have to talk to you girls about about how sure, you got yeah. started. And and by the way, congratulations. I know Thank your podcast you. is yeah. brand new and yes. so exciting. Yeah. Um, Today it launched. It's really, I can't, I, I can't wait to like 
if I wasn't talking to you right now, I'd already be listening. So I can't okay. wait to go listen. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, the Instagram and then I'm considering a podcast yes, and then, do it. uh, yeah, you know, I, here's the thing about it. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts mm -hmm. and my favorite podcasts are the ones that kind of, as I was saying before, I like to sit down with people who just make my life a little bit better. And so the podcasts that feel like you're sitting down with old friends right. and you're catching up. Oh, I love those podcasts. So yeah, it'll be something like that. Um, I think it'll be topical. I think, w listen, when we're up and running my podcast, what we'll do is we'll have a crossover. You yes. guys will be on it. Yeah. And then I'm going to have some friends on mine. I'm figuring out the who's and the what's and the where's, mm -hmm. but then we'll, we'll do a little crossover. That'll be super fun. Definitely. Yes, super super fun and i'm yeah. so grateful and appreciative for you to come on tonight we had so much fun it is my um, pleasure also before we go you mentioned you have a website before where people could find you oh well mostly it's um just my instagram for now eventually okay. the okay. website will be imjimlanahan.com but it's a secret it's not ready yet <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so very much. I had so much fun. Yes, it was a great interview. It was fun. a ball. Thank you so much. Good luck with everything. Thank, Thank you. you. I'll see you on the gram. Yeah. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We so hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on our Instagrams. Caitlin's is Caitlin underscore Muncaster, and mine is Lisa Rap 6 underscore. We are so excited that you're loving this podcast. If you have other things you want us to check out, please send us a direct message, and have a great night. Bye.